PK brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 7 at The Warehouse at 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom, kaboom. Boom, boom, kaboom. That's a different boom, but okay. DJ PK, it's time to welcome in David Nixon right now, BYU TV football analyst, former BYU linebacker. He's getting himself mentally prepared for a big game. David, good morning. <laughs> good morning. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting myself mentally prepared for sure. Locked and loaded right now. <laughs> now, if you were playing, how useless would you be in the rest of your life with this game looming on Friday night? 100%. Uh, <laughs> no, listen, I mean, this is, this is BYU Super Bowl this year, honestly. I mean, this is, this is the big one. If, if BYU loses this one, then, you know, I don't know if they follow the rankings, but they're definitely not in talks for New Year's Six, and uh, you'd probably get resorted to a, a lower-class bowl, and, you know, everyone, all the haters can say, yeah, we, we told you right. Um, but if you win this one, then obviously the path looks, looks pretty great, although – San Diego State's looking pretty solid this year, uh, given what they've done their first couple of games. So we'll, we'll be just to see what happens there in the long run. But, uh, yeah, this, it's, it's a huge game. And you've heard the terms tossed around, maybe the biggest game in Independence, um, definitely one of the biggest games in Kalani Tsutake's era. Uh, but everything hinges on this game. And the fact that you had to head up to, to Boise, where you've never won before, uh, and all the storylines with Zach and the last time he was up there and, and any of the game on the goal line and, uh, you know, all, the, all everything he's learned from there. I mean, there's just a lot of storylines that go into it, uh, which, which makes it a really intriguing matchup. One of the things that I love about this game from the BYU perspective is that, let's just for argument's sake, they win. Then we know as of right now they got two games left, and the San Diego State game isn't for another month. So all these guys who talk about college football, the Herb Streets and the like – if BYU wins, then you basically get a month of free publicity because they're not losing to North Alabama. So they're going to be in the discussion pretty much the entire month of November with a win. And college football, the way it's set up, it's somewhat of a beauty pageant. And November is all about talk. You have the games and then probably equally or close to as important is the talk. Who's going to get in the four playoffs? Who are the possibilities? Who's going to get in the New Year's Day six? Who are obviously more than four possibilities? But BYU, they can't buy if with a win all the publicity that they're going to get for the next month until they have to face San Diego State. So it's a great opportunity to get massive exposure for your football program. Yeah, no question. And you're right. That's a, that's a hand. Uh, what we're hearing is, is, you know, it's looking like they're still trying to schedule another game in there. So I would guess it, uh, whether next week or, the, or, or after the Alabama game, uh, or North Alabama game, I should clarify, uh, it, that it looks like we'll try to get one more game in there. But I think a lot of that's going to be dictated upon what happens this week. If, if I'm Tom Homo and uh, you, you go out and beat Boise State, there's no reason to go try and schedule a really, you know, difficult opponent in the next few weeks because, uh, you know, you've kind of taken care of business. Uh, so there's no reason to kind of put yourself in danger way. But if you do lose this game and you want to try to get back into relevancy, maybe he goes out and tries to schedule something more difficult, something harder that could help uh, boost your, your strength of schedule and, and get you back in that conversation. So, uh, like I said, everything hinges on this, on this uh, weekend and, uh, you know, Friday night lights, uh, which, 
you know, you heard uh, head coach Brian Harson for Boise State mention he has a love Friday Night Lights. I don't necessarily love it either, especially right now in the year where you've got high school playoffs and things like that. But, um, you know, it is what it is, and all eyes should be on that game. It's going to be – man, it's going to be a fun one. I, I, I had a similar situation my senior year. Uh, we were ranked actually eighth in the country, and all the eggs in the basket were on the game when we headed down to TCU, and we obviously know what happened there. It wasn't a great result for BYU. But I remember that week, uh, and it was a short week as well. It was a Thursday night game, uh, and uh, unfortunately it was on Versus, so nobody could ever watch the game. But uh, it, was, it was one of those games where, yeah, to your earlier question, you were all in. I mean, you, you didn't think much else that week other than preparing for that game. So uh, I assume the players in the same position. It's a short week for BYU, obviously. Uh, anytime it's a short week where the game lands, it's also a short week for the team that's to travel because you basically lose uh, another half day of uh, prep. And then you add in yesterday with the NCAA not allowing the practices, I imagine you guys have covered uh, that hurt BYU as well. And then, of course, the Sunday, uh, you can't practice. They, don't, they won't allow teams of BYU to practice on Sundays. Uh, so really put BYU behind on this one. But if there's any positive news for BYU, you've got a very senior-laden uh, team, uh, a group that uh, has a lot of uh, seniors on the, bat, on the defense and, frankly, on the offside of the ball as well, a lot of experience. So I think they'll rely on that to have him ready, uh, ready to go on Friday. You know, one thing I didn't know about that election day uh, deal and not being able to practice until Gary Anderson came on with us Monday, and obviously the Aggies have to play Thursday in Nevada, right? So Wednesday's a travel day. You can't practice Tuesday. He says, yeah, well, the rule is you can't practice after 10 a.m. Like, oh, that's a pretty big loophole right there. Yeah, interesting. I, we didn't hear that either. Um, and so because I, I know Kalani went to get – a waiver, and he mentioned that his post-game press conference that he was denied the waiver uh, for to practice on Tuesday. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm didn't, I don't think they did practice yesterday. Maybe they did, but what we heard, they didn't. But uh, maybe they practiced after ten. I'm not sure how that all worked out. So we uh, have seen Bachmeyer possibly not play, but you know I've been following Jack Sears since he was in high school. I know the Utes recruited him. He got a start for SC and. And watch him against Air Force. Uh, from BYU's perspective, you think it makes any difference? I mean, not what after a series did to Air Force. And keep in mind that right. is Air Force. You know, is it a, a defense that's used to uh, you know going up against? They don't have the athletes to go up against a team that's going to air it out against them, right? I mean, they go every day in practice. They go against their triple option. Uh, but to your point, at this point, I don't think it does matter who they face at quarterback. We have Boise State. I mean, Boise State's a legitimate program these days, and they have been for the last decade or two, where, uh, especially since Chris Peterson was there. These guys just keep, they, they keep replenishing their athletes, and they, they've got great depth. Uh, they're a great program, and so when you're a great program, you've got that great depth. And so, uh, to, to your point, I don't think it does matter. I think BYU obviously will prepare for both of them, uh, but yeah, I think both of them bring uh, kind of the same thing to the table in the sense that they can both air it out, and they've got athletes on, on the outside uh, with Thomas and Shakir that they, they like to air out to. You've got a big tight end uh, in Bates. And so, um, you know, it's going to be interesting how BYU can, can keep these guys in check. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see them go more man defense uh, and, and try to bring some pressure to this game. I, I don't think you're going to see much of the drop eight like, you, like you've seen in games past. And you go back to last year's film, BYU, um, you know, had a four-man front and, and tried to bring some pressure against them and mix it up. So, We'll see what happens. I think that's another intriguing storyline. And, of course, if I watched that Air Force game. They had some injuries go down. The guys go down with injuries. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see if they come back. You know, notably, um, they're, they're running back uh, Holani. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he's back healthy. They're, they're saying he's a, 
kind of game time decision this week. So that's I guarantee that's one of the guys that um, the BYU staff is kind of eyeing and, and watching to see if he'll play. So I'm curious about the Broncos' defense. Uh, you know, defending Air Force, that's a totally different animal, right? So that doesn't tell you much about how they're going to defend BYU. And then you look at Utah State, and Utah State moved the ball against them a little bit in the third quarter. They had one good drive. They got another touchdown off a short field, off a special teams mistake. So they didn't have a lot of success, but their offense hasn't looked good over two games. Maybe it's because they played the two best teams in the league, but whatever. I, I can't get a read off Boy, on Boise's defense off these two games they've played so far. You've, got, you've watched a lot of film over your career. Do you see stuff that, regardless of the competition, you look at and say, okay, they're good at this, they're bad at this? What have you seen? Yeah, and to your point, two games this season, it's always tough to get a read on a team, right? I mean, that's what BYU was facing for, the, for those first two games as well. Uh, but we, yeah, I have watched both games, the Utah State game, and of course this Air Force game last week from Boise State. And one thing that sticks out to me is, is we just mentioned earlier, they've got good athletes, but second of all, they're very well disciplined. Uh, so this is a team that doesn't shoot themselves in the foot, uh, and, and, and they're kind of not going to have butts assignments. They're not going to let the ball get over the top. Uh, so you have to really earn every yard uh, at your BYU's offense, and, and you know that going in uh, against our defense. And, and on the same flip side of the ball, their offense – uh, they don't. They don't have a lot of screw ups. I mean, they, they're they're very assignment sound. They're, they do what they're supposed to do. Great technique, uh, and and so you know that. And this is what happened last year when they came down to BYU. Funny how the the scripts flipped it, right? They came down to BYU last year. They were the ranked team, and BYU was looking to knock them off. Uh, this year, BYU's ranked higher. Obviously, both teams are ranked, uh, but you know they're going. BYU's going up there and they're trying to knock them off. Uh, but if you look back at BYU's game last year, zero turnovers. And, and when you're going to get the Boise State team, uh, turnovers is a huge deal. And so. Uh, BYU's got to be, I think, at least even if not positive in the turnover margin to try to try to win one up there. And and that that's even if you are the the more talented team. I mean, anytime you play a matchup like this, uh, turnovers play a huge role in the game. As we saw from last year, that's how BYU was able to win the game. So um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, like I said earlier, it's a man, it's an intriguing matchup. It's it's a fun one. I, I, you know, it wasn't for, I think, Clemson. I'm assuming Clemson and Notre Dame is where game day's going to, but uh, this would be right there on, the, on par with that as far as, I think, national exposure and, and probably the more, most exciting game this weekend. I remember when Bronco Mendenhall took over as head coach, and he said as far as the BYU-Utah rivalry, one of the things that he did not anticipate was the level of emotion, and he thought his guys were – I don't know if out of control is the right word or phrase, but too emotional going into the game. And it was something he didn't anticipate, and he had to figure out how to channel the team's emotions in the proper direction and not get too overhyped. Well, they don't have Utah this year, and right now without Utah State, I mean, Boise State is their biggest rival because it's been an ongoing series. Do you have any concern about being overly hyped for this game? You know, I would say in years past, maybe. Uh, and I, I will say this: it is a real deal. It is a real thing because when you get too hyped, I've been there in my career. Uh, when you're when you're that amped up, especially for the rivalry game, you're so amped up, you're so excited. Everything's you know the whole week of preparation. Sometimes your whole years kind of depend on this one particular game. Uh, that you, you come out and you exert all your energy in that first quarter, <laughs> and you, all, you got all that adrenaline pumping. And next, thing you know, you kind of hit this this high. And next, you know, in the second half, you're you're run out of energy. So there's got to be a way to kind of calm down and sustain it. Uh, and and so I, I think that is real. With that being said, as I alluded to earlier, 
with the fact that these guys, uh, you know, are all kind of upperclassmen at this point, uh, offense and defensively, and they, they've seen Boise, they've played Boise, they understand how big of a game it is. I think they'll be able to manage their emotions a little better than, than maybe uh, they would if, you know, when they went up there last time when Zach was a freshman and, uh, you know, Freddie Christensen was a freshman. I mean, you had a lot of guys playing that were underclassmen. Uh, and so I think that experience, and as you get older, obviously more mature, uh, that, that, help, that comes around and, and helps you in a situation like this. So uh, I, I think they'll be able to keep it in check. And, and what, literally, that's, that's Kalani's job. I mean, as a head coach, you got to have your guys ready, have your guys prepared, and, and try to prep them throughout the week to, to contain their emotions and, and try, to, try to make it uh, count whenever you're out there on the field and, and do your thing. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how, how it happens. I think, you know, telling Stat, uh, Greg Rebell is tweet, tweeting earlier that uh, when BYU scores on the first drive uh, of the game, I think Kalani's uh, some crazy stat, like ten and two or something like that uh, in games, uh, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how, how the BYU offense comes out. We've seen games, specifically Houston, when they came out and uh, you know on the very first play when they got the ball through it for a touchdown, and and we've seen that last few games last week as well. The very first play was a play action to Dax Milne for a twenty yard gain. Uh, so obviously offensively, if they come out and try to attack Boise State, or if they try to establish the run. Uh, and and you saw what what uh, the Boise State defense gave up to Air Force. Granted, it is Air Force, and they just focused on the run last week. Uh, but they're obviously susceptible to the run. So, be interested to see offensively what their scheme is and and game plan is the first drive. Whether they're going to try to air it out and put them on their heels, or they're just trying to try to establish a run and cram it down their throat. I was a little surprised in the Houston game <clears throat> that the offense became so pass happy, and the run game really didn't produce. And you know, it's a combination of well, which do you give the better chance to produce? And then what is producing over the course of the game? And, you know, they won the game and threw for 400 yards, but they didn't even rush for 100 yards in that. Do you think it's going to be more balanced in this game? And do you think that the BYU offensive line, tight end, running back included, can control the line of scrimmage? I mean, regardless of the yardage total, when I watch the game, am I going to see the BYU offensive line laying on the ground four yards downfield? Because when they are, it's usually a really good sign for anybody who's trying to run the ball. Yeah, it's a really interesting trend I've been watching this year about this BYU offensive line. They've actually really struggled to run the ball downhill uh, in between the centers. And BYU has kind of a zone blocking scheme. They, they try to do some out, outside stretch plays. Uh, but this year, against certain teams, Houston being one of them, uh, they've really struggled to get one or two yards on just a simple uh, you know, zone play uh, right at the middle. And and so we saw last week, BYU started to attack the edges. In fact, they did that against Houston as well. When they attacked the edges, uh, did a toss play or outside, outside, outside zone or outside stretch, uh, they, were, they were productive and, and got points and got yards. And so uh, I, I think BYU is learning a little bit of, of kind of what their own strengths and weaknesses are. Obviously, you still have to keep the inside running game going, uh, but they, they've had a lot of success going outside. And a lot of it also do, has to do with BYU's receivers doing a, do a fantastic job of, of blocking downfield. Um, but as far as controlling line of scrimmage, I, I, I say the same thing. 100% it's going to be uh, in the trenches. That's where the game's going to be won or lost. And the stats I'm looking at is, is BYU this year has only allowed uh, uh, five, I think it's five sacks. or they're, they're fifth in the country in sacks allowed. Uh, it's half a, half a sack a game. Uh, and I think that's going to be the biggest point. Can Zach have time to sit back there in the pocket and pick apart this Boise State defense? Um, and when he does have time, we've seen what, what he can do with the ball. When he's under pressure, as we saw at UTSA, he gets a little flustered, and, and I mean, naturally, it's going to be tough to make those completions. So um, I, I'm interested to see that. Of course, Boise State 
they're ranked first in the country in pass defense because they face the Air Force team that obviously doesn't throw the ball. Um, so you look at the stats, number one in the country, uh, you know, allowing only uh, 80 yards per game. But um, I think that's going to be the biggest one. Can this offensive line provide Zach the time? And as you lose to, can they also provide the push and the surge uh, in the run game? I think that's what uh, we'll, we'll see if, if BYU can put up the points. Do you think either team in any aspect of the game, whatever it might be, has a distinct advantage over the other? You know, we were going back and forth on this. I, I don't think so. I, when you look at the film, and once again, it's kind of too early with this year's team because of uh, Boise State team because they're only two games in, so you're still trying to figure out exactly who they are. And, and also that Air Force game, like you guys said as well, it's tough to really count it as a game because it's just such a weird game. I mean, your game plans – uh, I think when we played Navy, I told you guys defensively at your game plan, you, you throw out your entire uh, playbook and you put, we installed a whole new defense the week of Navy, which is obviously runs the same thing as Air Force. And so it's just tough to use that as kind of a measuring stick on, on how you're doing in the season. Um, so really only one game into the season for if you're Boise State. And so I think it's still early to say, uh, but, you know, I, I think both, both teams are solid in all units and facets of the game. I think that's also what's so intriguing. There's not really a glaring weakness of either team that you can go out there and exploit. I mean, obviously the coaches might think otherwise. But when you look at both teams, you compare them. When you watch the film and when you watch the game, uh, you realize these are two very evenly matched teams. And then you throw the fact that it's up there in Boise. You would think that they would have the, uh, you know, they would have the advantage there. But of course, uh, as of right now, no fans. I know they're talking about trying to get 1,100 fans in the game, kind of mostly just family. So we'll see how that plays out. But even 1,100 is not going to make a huge impact. But um, yeah, I, I think that's, once again, I think that's why it's so compelling is because you got two teams that are great story programs. Boyd State's had fantastic success these last you know, couple decades, and, uh, and they're a ranked, a ranked opponent. And so, once again, all this gets thrown into the, into the pot, and next thing you know, you've got uh, BYU Super Bowl this week. Well, David, we appreciate a few minutes. Enjoy the game, and uh, we will talk to you again next week. Yep, sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right, David Ixon, BYU TV football analyst, former Cougar linebacker. When we come back, our college football insider, Riley Jensen. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I do think that this offense is going to be a very great asset to Utah. Good running backs, good receivers, really good offensive line. If your quarterbacks come in and just do what they're supposed to do, I don't see any reason why not. That's why I kind of originally assumed it might be Bentley, just to limit mistakes. But the further along we get and the more that I learn about this offense, I keep thinking it's going to be Cameron Rising. And you think they hit the ground running? I do. I think that Andy Ludwig is up for the task. And I think that this entire offensive staff understands better what's expected of them. So I would expect Utah's offense to be able to put 35-plus on the board against Arizona, yes. And if they don't, I'll be discouraged about it. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Getting ready for a week of college football. An unusual week. Utah State and Nevada Thursday night. BYU and Boise State Friday night. And then Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock as the rain and possibly the snow starts to fall. It'll be the Utes and Arizona. We're going to talk with Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star at 9.05. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, is going to join us here momentarily. You listen to uh, David Nixon talk and you think, this is going to be a close game, isn't it? 
Yeah, and when he's finding no obvious weakness that either team can exploit, then you'd think that, uh, yeah, it's going to come down to the end, a couple of big plays. Turnovers. Uh, turnovers. Yeah, there it is. That can make a difference <laughs> in a football game. You know, who has more is at a distinct disadvantage when there is like that. But at the same time, uh, I can recall Bronco Mendenhall saying after a while he learned you anticipate a game and you expect something to happen and then the game gets going and something entirely different happens. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in Riley Jensen, our college football insider. Good morning, Riley. What's happening, fellas? Well, we just talked some football with David Nixon, and he didn't see obvious glaring matchup problems for either team, which means there's no obvious advantages for either team, which makes us think close game, maybe turnovers, a couple of big plays, timely or untimely penalties, extending or killing drives, but a close game. Is that how you think this is going to play out? Uh, I definitely think that it's going to be a close game. I think there's a couple of matchups that I'm I'm really watching closely, and I I think that BYU's receivers so far have been amazing. So let me start by saying that I'm not sure that they've been tested in a man-to-man scenario like they're going to get tested with Boise State. And if Boise State, um, with their cornerbacks and their safeties who are, who who are very good and are playing at a high level. It will be interesting to see what BYU can do with some of the rushes and some of the blitzes and some of the different things that um, Boise State will bring to the table. However, the way that I think that they can combat that is I'm starting to see a little bit of a pattern that teams can run the ball on Boise State. And so if they're able to run the ball effectively, which I kind of think they will, then that opens the game up a little bit as far as play-action passing goes. And I haven't looked up the stats in the last week or so, but but uh, Zach Wilson is com- completing a, t- a very high number of passes in the play-action game, and that could bode well for, you t- for, for BYU. Um, but... I'm I'm interested to watch this matchup between the cornerbacks and the wide receivers from BYU. And can these BYU receivers continue to make the catches that they've been making in tight man-to-man coverage where they're physically being manhandled a little bit? Will they be able to figure it out quick enough and soon enough to win in those one-on-one matchups? I wonder in that case if that we see more of the BYU tight ends then. Well, yeah, I think I I think that's what you want to happen. Um, I I think that if I'm if I'm doing a lot of uh, if I'm looking at a lot of man to man coverage, what you end up looking for is your best matchups, and the tight ends for BYU have been fantastic. But I also think the strong safety and some of these cover guys that are in the dime packages have been doing a really really good job for Boise State. I mean, look, I don't think Utah State's receivers are as good as BYU's. But they couldn't even get off the ball. They weren't open at all in that game. Then when I watched, um, when I, you know, then when I, and so I'm just looking at this from an interesting scenario. But no question, the tight ends are going to be the matchup problem that you're looking for. But that means 10, 11 play drives where you're you're hitting your tight end on a on a you know on a third and four, a third and five keeping the chains moving, 
And that's just a lot more difficult to do on a continual basis. I don't see this being as high scoring as what BYU has been putting on the board. And I think that, you know, if, if you flip the ball over on the other side, both quarterbacks for Boise State are playing at a high level. They've got the one receiver that's playing at a super high level, and then they create matchup problems on that side. So if BYU can't slow them down, I don't see this being super high scoring, although I think both teams are going to score points. I see this in the, in the area of like a 28-24 game, a 28-21 game type of thing. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us. Uh, to the uh, average fan's eye, I think it doesn't really matter which US, oh, which USC, <laughs> which Boise State uh, quarterback starts, whether it's Bachmeyer as their starter or USC transfer Jack Sears, who's uh, the backup. It seems like they get really good production. Now, Sears, it was Air Force. They've had a lot of guys opt out, so maybe that's not a fair test. But, man, he looked good. Do you think it matters a lot who plays? And if so, what is the difference? Well, I personally, I, I personally, out of the two quarterbacks, I like Bachmeyer better. Uh, I know Jack Sears comes with, you know, he's highly touted. I think he was Elite 11 coming out of high school. He's a USC transfer. But when, when, I, watch, when I watch the efficiency in which Bachmeyer played, I just liked what he brought to the table. Now, the, the thing that Jack Sears brings to the table, maybe a little bit more than Bachmeyer, is his ability to scramble and maybe get some yards with his feet. But I think Bachmeyer does a little bit better job of scrambling and keeping his eyes downfield and still looking for a play where Sears is looking to scramble and get yards right away. Both quarterbacks cause problems. Uh, my personal opinion is I, I, I like the way Bachmeyer has played better, but that doesn't mean that they couldn't have one or the other start and play really, really well, and maybe a combination of both and, and use both of them to attack the BYU defense. So here we are, man, the first week of November, and it's the first time this year that all three of our D1 teams are playing. And how cool is that <laughs> to be able to say that finally? So let's take a look at Utah with what they've got with the – University of Arizona, not expected to be good uh, by any stretch. Utah expected to win, and I think all eyes are on the quarterback. Uh, with you, what you know of Ludwig, and I know you know him pretty well, uh, what do you see them doing, at least at the start, offensively, to get the quarterback going? Well, I think, I think one of the misnomers with, with offensive coordinators is they don't have the ability to play to the strengths of their team within the context of their offense. I've seen, I've seen Andy Ludwig, Ludwig run offense at the University of Wisconsin where they run the ball 90% of the time in some games. I've seen him where he's really, really opened it up and really thrown the ball around. I've seen it where he runs the quarterback. I've seen it where he doesn't run the quarterback. I've seen play action. I've seen not a lot of play action. He has the ability and the know-how to play to the strengths of, of Cam Rising, and, I, you know, I think <clears throat> he's he's been around so long that I know that he's made the right decision on the quarterback position, and he sees something that he can implement into his offense that's going to cause problems for defenses. I think the, the interesting part, and, and, and look, I think the schedule for Utah is, is perfect for them kind of easing into their offense. I think they're always going to play good defense. They're always going to play solid special teams. 
offense sometimes takes a minute to get it going. But I think what, what we'll see is we'll see him with, you know, the run-pass option. We'll see him throwing the ball on the run a little bit with Cam in the pocket, trying to make sure that he can confirm what it is that he saw in practice is also true in the games. Because you have to remember, quarterbacks don't get hit in practice. And they're not able to scramble in practice, if you want to know the truth. That's why sometimes it's a disadvantage for a guy that can scramble to actually win the job. Because you can't really see did he scramble and how far did he scramble and, and what did he really do with his feet until you get to a game-time situation. And so I think he's going to be testing that a little bit with Cam Rising. We know that he can run the ball and throw the ball. What will be interesting to me is if he can coach Cam Rising up the way that he did with Tyler Huntley to teach him to play his game, not a force game. Like, he doesn't have to show everybody that he can pass. He doesn't have to show everybody that he can run. That he just takes what the defense gives him. Because I think if Cam Rising runs within the context of the offense and runs when things are all shut down and he's looked through his first and second and third reads and then he takes off, he can be really dangerous. The scary part about a running quarterback is is, is if the first read isn't open and he takes off running, it can, it can be very problematic to the offense. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us. Uh, the weather is supposed to turn Saturday. It's going to be rainy. It's going to be – does any of that impact the Utah offense or with all the changes, do they just line up and hand the ball off and Arizona's defense is bad and they're going to run it down their throat if it's too nasty to throw the ball? So what? Yeah, I don't – look, in high school, I think – the weather affects the game a lot more than it does in college. Look, there's there's six footballs that the quarterback picks out. They're all being dried. They're all, like, it's really not as difficult to play college football in a rain or a snowy type situation. If you're a quarterback, the thing that you hate the most is wind. I mean, if you if you watch the game, uh, you know, on Sunday, I can't remember which game I was watching. Oh, it was the, the Raiders. Yeah, the Browns. Uh, and the Browns. I mean, it was wind that was affecting that game. It wasn't the sleet. It wasn't. The, it was the wind that was playing games with everything. And so that that's what takes away from you as a quarterback. I don't see it being a big deal. I think a, a defensive-minded coach like Kyle will be like, okay, it's snowing outside or it's raining outside. Let's make sure we pound the rock. But he just likes to say that. I mean, it's his ship. It's his personality. And, and, and he gets to say that as the head coach. I think that's always – um, going to be his default setting. But I don't think that it's going to be that hard for them to throw the ball as long as the winds aren't around 50 miles an hour. I think everything's going to be just fine. What can the Aggies do to get some kind of offense going? Oh, boy. it's um, It's been an interesting two weeks. Now, I will say this. They played the two best teams in the Mountain West Conference. Um, there's, there's some things going on up, up there as far as you know, effort goes and, and those sorts of things that I think Gary's trying to um, he's trying to address. But they need to get some sort of a break or they need to find somebody that can make a big play. I thought just before the half last game when, when Shelley broke out and, and kind of rolled to his right a little bit and made a really nice throw down the sideline in the end zone, I was like, okay, maybe this will build some momentum for them to get the offense going, but they're just not really able to do much of anything right now. 
Jalen Warren's hurt again. The offensive line isn't open up gaping holes, and I think they just need to clean everything up, and they need to realize, hey, you know, COVID or not, this is this is this is a season, and and you got to put your name on your work. I mean, whether you're an artist, you know, whether you're signing that marriage contract, or whether you're signing your housing contract, or what uh, you know, signing for a new car, like you got to put your name on it. You got to you got to be accountable to the fact that the job that you're doing is good enough, and I think. That's probably what Gary's working on. I don't think I'm saying anything that Gary wouldn't say. But these guys gotta. These guys gotta. You can't feel sorry for yourself in college football, and it's hard to win college games if you're not paying attention to details. So I think that the Aggies have played the two best teams in the Mountain West Conference, and obviously neither game went well. But I think there's a pretty strong case to be made that Nevada is not only top half of the league; they could easily be one of the top three teams in the league. Are you buying that? Because yeah. if I mean, so, I, that that it, means we could be another lopsided game here Thursday night. It, it could be. I look. Utah State has some things to fix. I think Nevada is playing very well. When I looked at the schedule, you know, the schedules came out fairly close together for the University of Utah and Utah State. I was like, "Geez, Utah State got pounded <laughs> on this schedule." And when I looked at University of Utah, I was like, "Man, that opens up nice for them." And that's that was just my gut feeling. Um, you know, a few weeks ago when this was all posted. But I, I feel like it's measuring out that way. Um, but Utah State's got to turn it around. You, uh, COVID or not, you don't want to have a two-win, you know, two-and-five season. You don't want to have a losing season. So you got to start playing. you got to start figuring out, okay, we got we got to compete. we got to figure out how to leave our mark somewhere in this league and point out to people that, hey, next year when we have all these players back and that we're going to be ready to go. It's definitely been a slow start. It has not been a confident start for the Aggies. But I I certainly think that there's room for improvement and and an ability to play a lot better than what they're playing. It's not just because the players aren't good. The players aren't playing up to their potential yet. So you don't necessarily think it's a long-term problem with the program? I don't. I don't at this point. I don't think it's a long-term problem. I think this is just getting your mindset right. And look, everybody has the excuse of COVID if they want it. And right now, Boise State's undefeated, San Diego State's undefeated, and Utah State has two losses. They were all facing some of the same problems. And so you, you can't feel sorry for yourself. You got to. You got to step up. You got to play, and you got to play with a, with a certain amount of pride. He's Riley Jetson. He's our college football insider. Riley, three days in a row of football. Now, you're, you're trying to raise young kids here. Can you just sit down and lock in on these games? Or are you going to have to pick and choose? <laughs> I, um, it depends on my wife's mood. <laughs> <laughs> if she looks at me cross-eyed, you know, what I try to do is say, hey, I'll take the one-year-old and I'll take the son, you know. Why don't you take Alexis, and then I'll go and I'll try and watch the games. Um, but I record all of them, and, and I sneak a lot of football in when she's not looking. Uh, and, and I feel confident saying that because I know for a fact she's not listening to the show. <laughs> but I will watch quite a bit of it, especially especially because you got the first game for the University of Utah, you got the big game for Boise State, and then I'm just really interested to see how Utah State responds this week. Well, Riley, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes, and we will talk to you again next week. 
You guys are the best, man. Thanks for having me on. Riley Jensen, our college football insider. Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star. Coming up at 9.05. Stay with us. But nobody seems to see that going into this game. Wow, you're giving the Wildcats a lot of respect. The Wildcats? Yeah, and you're giving Utah a lot of disrespect. I was talking about Boise State and BYU. What in the world are you talking about? <laughs> oh, well, you're such a Ute homer. I thought you'd uh, just moved on. Sure. Yeah, I, I could agree with all that. That's what just makes it so awesome. I love David Nixon. This is BYU Super Bowl, man. Yeah, that was this a good line. This BYU Super Friggin' Bowl. Yep. That's how huge this is. Anybody who disagrees with me is a complete and total nincompoop. <laughs> how dare you? I like that better than the make or break because I don't feel like it's, he's completely made or completely broken by this game. Yeah, but you never feel that way. Ah, that's, just but, not, that's not who you are. You're and, a, and there's some truth to that. But the Super Bowl, I totally like that analogy. What's the difference? This is... <laughs> <laughs> The difference is obvious, PK. No, it isn't. It, it totally is. It's a Super Bowl. You lose the Super Bowl, you may never get back. Colin Kaepernick lost the Super Bowl. What happened? He never He's got gone. back. But Tom Brady lost the Super Bowl. He got back. John Elway lost the Super Bowl. He got back. So you're talking Zach Wilson is Tom Brady and uh uh, John Elway. No. We're going to have plenty of. Or Kalani Sataki is going to have plenty of seasons where he's 7 and 0. What a stupid take that was. I feel embarrassed for you. Yeah. No. There's no way with their schedule that they have front loaded every year, there is no friggin' way they're going to be 7 and 0 anytime soon. No. Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? They can't even beat Utah. They usually are 0-1 before we even get to Labor Day. And now you're saying, oh, they can get back? They can be 7-0? and No friigging way. That is against all odds. Hence, ergo, now. hence, ergo, this is the Super Bowl. You're making my argument for me. Thank you. Finally, you start to sound intelligent. Yes, and I'm the, my argument is the Super Bowl is a once-in-a-lifetime deal, so therefore it's make or break. You just made my argument. Thank you. It's not make or break. Make or break. Break involves getting fired. You're broken. Get out. And that's what leads to it. You're not going to get fired Friday night, but there's if you don't win this game, it's going to be, oh, gosh, yeah. They were just freaking pretenders, and all the air goes out of the program, and you start thinking, ah, come on. They just feasted on a bunch of dogs. They basically go away nationally, and BYU has been struggling to have any kind of relevance in November, of which they've had zero in over a decade. They've literally had no relevance whatsoever to speak of in November. Nothing. And now they've got this time. This is a make or break for the football program. Clean your contacts, please. <laughs> Some random metaphors scrambled all over the place. <laughs> Yuck. Get one of those, uh, one of those uh, graphs and graph all the metaphors and uh, make sense of that, will you?
Oh man, it made plot. sense. Yeah, right. Yeah, market on the axis. You got the X and the Y axis, axis, and I don't know. We're down oh, over here, and then we're building there. <laughs> right. That was crystal clear. You don't even need to go uh, to Davis Vision to see that. I haven't had vertigo like that since the fourth hole yesterday. All right, DJ and PK. <laughs> Uh, he didn't paint a pretty picture for his Aggies, though, when we had uh, Riley on there in the last segment. It's, uh, mm, it looks bad. Well, the thing that I liked is put your name on it, man. And, you know, put your name on everything that you do, and that goes beyond sports. Put your name on it, and it's another way of saying accountability. And let's get going here. Since when, in recent times, is Nevada a fear-striking program? Nothing against those guys. They've had a couple of good seasons. Uh, That's fine. And yeah, good for nice. them. Right. But from Utah State's perspective, when does Nevada Just scare you to death? It gut, should never yeah, scare you to death. Gut instinct and looking at this and seeing, a, you know, again, a double-digit uh, point spread and all that stuff, I look at it and I think – Two-thirds of the issues, and maybe it's because how much I watch the program, but I see is two-thirds of the issues in this game are Utah State issues, and one-third is, is the fact that Nevada's good. But it's mostly about the problems Utah State has had. You know, their, their offense has not inspired any level of confidence. No, nothing. They hit on one big play against San Diego State. They had one good drive against Boise State. And to their credit, they did finish the drive when they were gift-wrapped some good field position. You know, they could have... Yeah, Jalen Warren, he's not playing maybe. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they could have settled for a field goal and missed it, but they put it in the end zone. But there's just there's not much to go on through two games. Now, to the degree that, you know, Riley kind of says, well, they're, they got issues, but they're better than this, you know? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Put your name on, on it, you know. On. Show us a little bit of spine, a little bit of toughness here, and uh, put together a couple of drives. Get right, something going. Roll over. And, th- you know, they the thing that's bugged me is the mistakes, and I talked about it with Gary oh, the uh, drops. today. Wednesday. Yeah, that first possession, they came out, and I didn't think they were going to beat the Aztecs because the Aztecs are a better program right now, thanks to Rocky Long. And they put together a drive, and then they got a third down. The pass is right there. I'm watching the game with my wife. We're literally sitting there watching the game. And so she repeats a lot of the stuff that I say, you know, just through the years. And it's funny. The both both of us, the exact phrase when the ball was dropped. You got to catch that ball, son. <laughs> <laughs> With the sun on the end. That's such a you thing to say. <laughs> this reminds somebody how immature they are and how mature you are. Son. <laughs> and she said the exact same thing. You got to catch that ball, son. <laughs> it's like we had the script in front of us. And, yeah, that just disturbed me, man. I don't know it's going to make the difference in the outcome. Most likely not. But when you are not looking good, you can't afford a third down drop that will give you a first down after, if my memory serves, they had at least one, if not two first downs on that drive. You've got to establish some kind of momentum. Yeah, and I and thought they, they had three didn't. or four, three or four drops in the first half. And San Diego State was they making did. plenty of oh, mistakes and letting yeah, them did. hang around. You know, long drive, settle for a field goal, deflected. Long drive, settle for a field goal, missed. Oh, yeah, long drive at halftime. Yeah, finally it? kick a field goal. Right, there were opportunities. And the thing is, like if they had battled San Diego State and they had lost a twenty-eight twenty-one game, right, you'd have they a did. different attitude going into the rest of the schedule. 100%. You'd say, well, you played, if not the top two teams in the league, probably two of the top three in Nevada. 
that is one of the better teams. And you got better from week one to week two. Right. And the yeah. schedule's going to lighten up, and we're going to continue to improve instead of, you know, thank you, sir, may I have another. I know. That was just a beatdown, as you say. That's what I say, you know, why me personally – I don't get caught up in results of games. I get caught up in the actual game itself. And if you lose 28-21, as you said, there's a winner and loser in every game. Well, you played well enough to win. You didn't, and that's the objective. I understand that. But I can draw something from if you play well enough to win. And these guys obviously did not come close to playing well enough to win in either game. DJ and PK coming up next. Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star. He joins us next. Stay with us.